I need to make sure they get what their heart needs in order for me to get to the end. That, that concept of humbleness uh, has always stuck with me. Just like maybe I am not the most important person in every collaboration. Mm-hmm. Maybe I really need to realize that as long as I get to the end, if I let you be the most important person, then you win too. So I, I've, I've lived with that since then. And I was driving with the kids the other day. And I was just telling you about that is maybe, you know, when you guys are dealing with other kids at school and teachers is maybe you need to make sure that being a smart aleck isn't always as good as letting the teacher know that she's the smartest and she's doing things that need to be done. And, and when she's happy, you'll be happy. Hey, it's Chuck here, and I'm so glad that you're listening to this episode. And I just want to take this quick moment right now to let you know about our free Collaborators Toolkit. And this episode is all about partnership and collaboration. And our guests share many resources, tools, and things that you can use to make collaboration and partnership easier in your business. So if you're looking for better ways to grow and scale your business through collaborations and strategic partnerships, this free Collaborators Toolkit is gonna contain the best resources from our workshops as well as contributions from our guests. And these tools could be the missing link that you've been looking for, and they're gonna help you to solve everyday business challenges and access highly effective ideas that can help and grow your business exponentially. I know they've helped me and I know they're gonna help you as well. And the best part about these tools is that they're completely free. And our gift to you for being a valued member of our community and a subscriber to the show. So you can get access to all of the resources contained inside the Collaborators Toolkit today by visiting the website at www.collaboratorsunite.com toolkit. That address again is www.collaboratorsunite.com toolkit. Go ahead and register today, get access to all the resources, and I'm going to see you on the inside. Now, here's the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show. Chuck Anderson here. This is the Creative Collaboration Show, and I have for you another amazing guest who uh, is all about collaboration and uh, co-creating programs and products and just really, really cool ideas. And uh, he's got some great stories here for you as well. So please welcome to the show, Dan Morris. Welcome, Dan. Yes. (laughs) I was waiting for the stadium sound, like the cheer. Right. Yeah, I was waiting for that. Ah, the oh. crowd goes wild. I see all the people out there. It's just this, all the eyeballs looking at me. It's just fantastic. I, I feel the love. I feel it. And if this was one of those super, you know, high tech, geeky podcasts, I would have the buttons that I could push. <laughs> and, you know, on yes, cue, okay. the audio. That's a great idea. Maybe, maybe we'll aspire to that one day. It would be so- good. So, Dan, thank you so much for being here. And uh, look, I always butcher people's introductions, so I don't even try anymore. So I am going to let you introduce yourself introduce to the, you know, wh- who you are, what you do. We're going to get into some of your really cool stories, uh, whatever you want to tell people. So, 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 Dan, introduce yourself to the world of our collaborative entrepreneur audience. You know, I really like to introduce myself when... I don't remember the other person's name. And so I don't know how to introduce them to that person. So I always like to say, hey, I'm Dan, as if you know they didn't know me. And then hopefully they say their name. And then the person I'm with hears the name. That's my, that's my tactic yeah. when I have to find out someone's name. Especially if my- it's difficult to pronounce. Yes, exactly. <laughs> because I have learned that everyone in my life, their name is either hey, or dude, like that's just the way it is. My my wife's always like, "Do you know the neighbor's name?" I'm like, "Yeah, it's dude." Every time I call him that, he says, "He says, hey." <laughs> he answers to it. <laughs> he does. So, so it's dude. So anyway, um, introduce myself. Um, that is an interesting guy. So sometimes when I get tripped up on that because I I think to myself, 
like I'm a military brat. I was growing up and I've lived in, I don't know, 17 states and three countries. And I always think, does that make me something? Does, is, that, is that interesting? Does that add any knowledge to how I could be the way that I am? Um, and I would say that I'm living in Nashville, Tennessee. So uh, I don't have a Southern accent that I know of. Um, but some people say, well, you have a weird accent. And I tell them that they're like, well, I've lived all over the place. So it's probably from everywhere. Uh, my wife and I, my wife is Rachel Marie Martin. She runs findingjoy.net, which is a giant motherhood blog. She's uh, got a book deal out of it um, and did the Today Show circuit and all that stuff. And together, uh, we run the findingjoy.net for the moms of the world. And then we also uh, do a couple of projects a year for digital marketers, for vloggers, podcasters, and bloggers. People have a website that are looking to get more out of it and small business owners. So. Um, we kind of do those three things. And in any marriage, I guess there's a division of labor. So she's kind of in charge of writing the content for the motherhood site. Um, and it's become as big as it has. It's got almost a million fans because she's really good at taking what's in her heart and somehow putting it on paper in a way that most people can't do that. Most people can't write like that. Um, and then uh, I work mostly on the digital marketing stuff. And then she's kind of like the, she's kind of like the backend person for me on that. And I'm the backend person for her on hers. And then oftentimes you, uh, we get up on stage and then we talk collaboratively about the kinds of things that we do together. For instance, um, we haven't spent a dime for Facebook and yet uh, with findingjoy.net, you know, we reach millions of people a week. And one of her goals is to get a thousand likes in the first hour on some of her posts so uh, we talk about, you know, how do you, uh, how do you get reach on Facebook without paying? Like, what is that process? And then we combine that, which is the Finding Joy Motherhood site. We combine that with my side, which is affiliate marketing and products uh, and copywriting. And then we've, uh, we put those together when we do stage shows. And uh, before COVID hit, I think we did maybe 104 eight-hour workshops around the world, which I can talk about in a little bit more in a little bit. Um, but that combined with having 11 kids, that's pretty much what we do. Wow. So your whole life is about collaborating, right? So you have yeah. 11 kids, you have a business partner who is also your wife. Yep. Uh, you have two amazing collaborative businesses. Uh, so everything that I just heard is all about collaborations. I will tell you that um, the most difficult collaboration is blending families. Mm. I would say that's the most difficult thing that I've ever had to do. Um, and I didn't know. I didn't. I think that's maybe what makes it hard is that you just are unaware of the areas in which you'll have to collaborate and compromise and find the space where everybody fits. Mm -hmm. um, it is a very interesting chapter if you ever get to that part in life. It's 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 something that I was totally not expecting. Hmm. Well, um, and you know the old saying, "What doesn't kill us makes us stronger," but it also teaches yeah. us really cool skills that you know you you don't even know that you need, but they are useful in other ways. And and so that difficulty, I'm sure, has led to some, uh, you know, some ahas or some takeaways that do carry forward into your other relationships. You know, one of those is that interesting that you say that as I was, I was driving the other day with one of one of my children, because that's the only way to put that. <laughs> one of my children, I can't say one of the boys is so many, you know, there's so many girls like, I mean, how, how do you know? Um, and we were talking about um, humbleness, like, what does humble mean? And I was telling him, I, I, I used to, in my, in my previous life, my non-digital marketing life, I was a real estate developer and I built 65 Walgreens pharmacies in all of the United States. Um, and I worked with this guy uh, who was a super, super rich guy, the kind of rich where he, he didn't even consider himself rich until he had like $50 million liquid like that he could just use not tied up in investments like that's what he considered to be rich 
And I just remember thinking, I wonder when your definitions change over time, like that kind of stuff. But in many of our dealings, uh, where we go out and meet with a property owner, um, I was young, chomping at the bit, just wanting to make awesome things happen. And my, my boss was much wiser than me and had this humble sense that I struggled for the years that I worked with him to even understand. But now as I'm older and I can look back, I, I totally get it. But there were many times when he would let the sellers win. And not necessarily, not necessarily, not necessarily win, but he would let them feel like they won. Um, you know, they wanted to sell us property and they wanted to get a particular number. And we didn't want to pay that amount. You know, and so he would throw out a couple of different ideas. And for us, he would be throwing out ideas that would, for them, be a compromise, but would make it seem like they're not going to do our compromise. And instead, they're going to stick to their number. And somehow in the end, every deal would get done. And he would, we would make the money that he would make on the store. Maybe we would make 50000 less, right? But on a $3 million profit margin or something, did it matter in the end? So I came away with this six years of working with him, realizing that that whole concept of the Pyrrhic victory where, you know, everybody's fighting to win something. And in the end, you win, but you don't really win because somehow you like ruined the relationship or something like something else happened. Every single time he was willing to sacrifice something, knowing that the end was his only goal. And if he had to lose some ego, if he had to lose smarts, if he had to look silly in a meeting, if he had to even look dumb in a meeting, if it got you to the end, it was the collaboration that he needed. It was like, if that's what it takes, I need to make sure they get what their heart needs in order for me to get to the end. That, that concept of humbleness uh, has always stuck with me. Just like, maybe I am not the most important person in every collaboration. Mm -hmm. Maybe I really need to realize that as long as I get to the end, if I let you be the most important person, then you win too. So I, I've, I've lived with that since then. And I was driving with the kids the other day. And I was just telling you about that is maybe, you know, when you guys are dealing with other kids at school and teachers is maybe you need to make sure that being a smart aleck isn't always as good as letting the teacher know that she's the smartest and she's doing things that need to be done. And, and when she's happy, you'll be happy. Mm. But anyway, you know, it, it, it reminds me of how long it took me to learn that lesson because as a student and as a, a guy in his 20s, uh, it was so ego-driven. You know, oh. I had a you know plaque on my wall that said success is the greatest form of revenge. And it was all about, you know, how big can I make myself look? Mm, and yes. um but now I really resonate with what you're saying because that that was the that was the pivot point that was the turning point It's like well wait a minute what if in order for me to win someone else has to win first or at least feel like they've won right and so that yeah. where where you don't you're not getting over on someone but you're actually working together you're collaborating so you both feel great about the outcome Yeah it's interesting how long it takes to learn some things in life Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's a key thing about, you know, creating collaborations and partnerships that, you know, are not just sort of like a one and done sort of thing, but, but are, you know, something that can stand the test of time and, 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 uh, and where everyone is involved is getting something out of it. And so, so Dan, I know you have a lot of stories uh, about collaborating. Uh, this is, it, it's something that you do so naturally in your business. Um, you know, can you recall, uh, either a time or a project or something that you've done that, uh, you know, was, you know, a, a collaboration maybe that really stands out to you that uh, might inspire our listeners in, in, in hearing that story uh, to go out and look for their own ways of partnering and collaborating. Well, 
we did um, 104 eight-hour workshops around the world. And we only paid for a venue twice. But they were in person, you know, like 30 to 50 people in a room. Um, and I don't remember, I don't really remember how the idea came to us. And I don't even think I had the idea. Actually, I think it was Rebecca Corot who has a, who now has a podcast for, uh, for rowers, you know, sculling in the, in the water. She was a, a contact in New Zealand and she wanted to, we had been doing these workshops in the United States mostly and, and in Canada and Vancouver and Toronto. And, uh, and my original idea was what if I call up Twitter and I say, I would like to do a workshop and I'd like to bring 40 bloggers to your offices. Um, and we, I'd like to put on an eight hour workshop at Twitter itself. And then at lunch, if you guys would like, I would love for you guys to give a tour of the place to the people who come talk about Twitter, have somebody come and talk about, you know, all that's great. Um, and the first time that we did that, it was Aweber, our email marketing company in Philadelphia. Wow. And they said, they said, that sounds great. Bring them in. Cause you know, they wanted to sell Aweber. So uh, they have a facility in Philadelphia and they have a training room. That's got about room for 50. It's a really modern looking place. So we did that there and then we did constant contact in North Carolina and then we did Twitter in California. Um, and uh, for us, I mean, all, you bought the tickets on our website to come to the event um, and they pretty much had no, they had nothing to do with it other than the fact that I gave their address and they had somebody there on a Saturday who would let us in and then the boss would show up and, talk about stuff or something like that. So we did that quite a few times and it worked out pretty good. And it gave us two things. One, I became more important at Aweber because now I knew the players. I sat down with the boss. I was actually in the office. Um, we had many phone calls about what was going on and then a constant contact and at Twitter. And like, we became like, it really expanded our view of who, who was on the, the playing field. Uh, but then Rebecca Corot called and she said, do you guys want to come to New Zealand to do this? Um, and I was like, great, we'll, um, we'll start working on that. And this is where the entire model for us changed. Uh, because Rebecca, who was a mover and shaker in New Zealand, uh, knew all kinds of people, big into the entrepreneurship, big into helping entrepreneurs, probably into different groups like BNI, networking groups. She said, she said, well, I already know of the places that we can hold it. And it's going to be my event. And I'm going to be bringing you to New Zealand. So instead of a blogging concentrated, which was our business name at the time, instead of a blogging concentrated event, it was a Rebecca's event. And then Rebecca said, I'm bringing these people in from the United States. And we're going to be talking. Here is this, what we're talking about. And you can go to their site and you can sign up for it. Uh, and then they'll come like on a particular Saturday. So we did two different tours in New Zealand, two different years, two, seven cities. Um, but we realized that was a, a method we could do anywhere. Like we could find a mover and shaker in any city and say, hey, look, I see that you're, you're all over the place in Philadelphia. Like you're, you're at this event and you're at this event and you do local marketing and you're trying to do all these things. Would you be interested in bringing, you know, putting on a workshop of your own uh, and we'll come, we'll do, we'll, we'll do the workshop. We'll do the eight hours. We bring the curriculum, we bring the stuff we'll teach. Uh, but then you can introduce us. Uh, you can bring, you know, you can tell all of your people about it. You can bring you know, a couple free people that you want because it's your event. Uh, you can speak at lunch about all that's going on. You could highlight people in the room that are local, that are important. Uh, but for us, it ended up being like, you know, a revenue stream. It was a, a one, it was again, a time where it wasn't ego-driven because it wasn't our event. It was their event. But for us, it was a chance to meet people, to teach what we teach, to get out and see stuff, to grow the list, to make the revenue, but at the same time, make somebody else look you know, pretty awesome. They're bringing the thing. They're, they're doing an event in town for all the business leaders. 
Um, so we did that for a couple of years. And um, it was almost like, where do you want to go on vacation? Like, let's find somebody there. We'll sell enough tickets to pay for the whole thing to make us money. We'll go there. We'll do an event. We'll see all the sites and then we'll come back. And um, for a couple of years, that ended up being um, a pretty awesome collaboration. And it was different people all over the place. But uh, it ended up that we really didn't have to pay for venues hardly ever. And yet we got to see all kinds of people in person. So I thought that would probably be a good example. It's it's a pretty good example. And I, I got to say, um, there's so many things about that story that I love. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is how many people would have the the idea or even the courage to say, all right, I'm going to do this event. I'm going to call up Twitter and see if they would like to you know, provide some space for us to do this event. And I've yeah. been doing events for 20 years and I have not known anybody that have done that. Like I know lots that have done corporate training. You go in and you talk in corporations or, you know, and you, they have the space or you go talk at schools or universities or whatever. Um, so much of it is done in hotel conference rooms. Yeah, that's how we try to avoid. Tens of thousands, sometimes even over $100,000 for bigger, bigger events. By yeah. the time you rent the venue, buy the coffee it's like a hundred dollars per cup per person uh that they charge for coffee and catering you've got your av and everything that you bring in and like i just think about all the money we've spent on events in the last 20 years and then here's this amazing idea hmm i wonder if twitter would like to co-host an event with us <laughs> yeah so i mean to some degree like i never ever want to do a hotel it's so cold it's just, I mean, it's a, to me, it's a horrible experience. The carpet, like just the, <laughs> the the little table in the back with the water and the coffee, just the whole thing. It's just so, oh, I just feel like life is over when you walk into a hotel. But uh, like even in Milwaukee, uh, the guy that we collaborated with knew of a coffee shop, Stone Door Coffee, I think it was called. And they had a meeting room upstairs that fit like 30. And but it was a coffee shop. I mean, it was a cool atmosphere, you know. There's so many places that you probably know in your own city. Um, all you have to do is find you in every city. Because every city, somebody knows, oh, there's actually a hack. Ooh, I forgot about this. There's a hack. Um, we like hacks. Eventbrite. If you search, if you go search a particular city and you just search for the letter E, like everything has an E in it. So, so <laughs> everything comes up in that city. And all of a sudden, you can start scrolling down and you see the venues that all of these things are at. So you can almost like suggest like to, to somebody you're going to collaborate with, like, hey, I saw that there's these, these different places that people are meeting in your town. And even just the mention of that, a local person will say, oh, yeah, I totally know about those and this place and this place over here. And this coffee shop loves to do as long as you buy the coffee, they give you the meeting room for free. And like, like the hack enables you to speak somebody's language locally. And then it gets their juices thinking like flowing. And all of a sudden they're like, I totally remember some spots. I'll call you back. I I, I know some ideas. And then it, that's it. It was awesome. Wow. Great idea too. Like if you got an idea of, oh, I want a vacation in this particular city. I want to do yeah. an event. Where can I do it? Well, you go to Eventbrite, type in the letter E apparently. I'm going to try that as soon as we're done here because <laughs> that's that's pretty amazing because, you know, we've had that idea yourself ourselves, but we always end up doing like the thing, the way we usually do them is, you know, conference centers and, and hotels and, oh, and all of that. And we've spent a fortune on those things i love on so many levels everything that you're talking about oh even in denver the public library is there's a there's a city just south oh, i can't remember the name of the city so it's an a aurora just south of denver that has like a state-of-the-art library and the library has a conference little area and as long as a local person signs up for it you get to use the thing for free 
and you can bring in catering. And I mean, it was just like beautiful. You don't have to pay for anything. It's an unbelievably beautiful place. Like, mm-hmm. oh, it has a pond in the backyard. You could, your people can eat out at the pond. Um, I don't know. There's just so many places you never have to go to a hotel. Wow. Great idea. And I love the hack. And that might have to be my new question that I ask on all my interviews is like, do you have a hack (laughs) that you can share? Because I mean, I love the hacks because I mean, people come up with all sorts of creative stuff. I mean, you know, you wouldn't normally just come up with that on your own, but by hearing a story like yours, it's like, ah, that's amazing. Yes. Uh, And so Oh, great idea. We might have to do a new, uh, I've got a new idea for a new show right now. <laughs> there you so, go. <laughs> not that I need one. Um, but uh, so, so that's great. I mean, that's when you said prior, like, you know, I have a, cause I know with your businesses that you, you're all about collaborations and partnerships with other, with other business owners and content contributors and all of that. But this story you you weren't wrong. Like it was, it, it blew me away in terms of, uh, and 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 what it does, I think, is it it's inspirational. Uh, it it kind of gets your thinking. Well, hmm, you know what what else could I do differently? Like how else could I look at something that maybe I'm spending a lot of money for, or maybe that's been really really difficult. Yeah. And you know who you know who or what could I combine with to make this so much easier? So. So we're in New Zealand, and um, we mentioned Gary Vaynerchuk. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, like, who doesn't know who Gary Vaynerchuk is in our world? You know, in our digital world, like, who doesn't know? But several people in the room do not. And then on the way home, I'm talking to Rachel, and I'm thinking, how do people not know? Like, how isn't the internet the great equalizer? Like, isn't Facebook, like, like how, how do you not know? So then we got to talking, and it occurred to me that I also found out while I was there, because we do website reviews sometimes, that people use different plugins. Like everyone here uses Yoast and Swish It and you know all these, just the normal stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they had different plugins I, I'd never heard of before. And then some of the, the gurus that they spoke about, I also didn't know. Like I didn't know who Natalie Cutler-Welsh was at the time. Mm. Um, so we got back and we thought we'd do an event where we introduce our people to that audience and their people to our audience. But it needs to be collaborative. That was the idea. So you were saying in our other business, it's, it's all collaboration. This is what we came up with. We decided, now I don't like summits. And I don't have anything against summits other than the moment that a summit is over, like you don't have a lot of assets. If you took notes because you were an attendee, great. Did you write down the person's name? Maybe, maybe you wrote down, maybe you came in a little bit late and you just took notes on the nuggets that you got, the really good information. Do you go to get the thing the speaker says that they have for free for you to get? I, you know, maybe. But, and then there's a speaker at a, at a summit, when you hang up, when you end the call, like then it's just like, are they going to sign up? Like, did it work? Did I say enough to get them to sign up for on my website? Like, did, did it produce any value for me? So we decided, what if we did a product summit where the contributors give a product? Now, a product is basically an example of your knowledge. So contributors provide a product, which means everybody who goes to it walks away with a product. They have an asset. Mm-hmm. But in order to get it, we send them to the websites of the contributors to sign up for it, which means when the contributors are are done, like they walk away with a new audience. So now you've got an audience walking in products and you've got contributors walking away with a new audience. And then we added a third component, which was the affiliates, because people pay for it. People pay for the product. So that means we had money to pay affiliates. So affiliates make the money. So it's like a, a project that is three parts. Three, three things have to work together. The first is they have to get contributors to, to give a product. The second thing is you have to have affiliates to bring buyers to the table. And then the third thing is you have to have buyers who want to learn. So everybody wins 
you know, in the end on, on this, on the, the thing, our main business, which we, which we call BC stack, which is like business courses, stack, stack of business courses. And, and for us, I mean, I put it together. I do all the cold calling and I try to do as much cold calling as I can, because if I already know you as a contributor, then we probably have some overlap in audiences. And that it's, that's not how we introduce new people to new audiences. Like I try to find people who we don't have any common friends, you know, that's like the best when I find you on Facebook and it says like two, you know, one of them is my mom. Then I'm like, this is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So, so we cold call and then I have to, like, we have the opportunity with the, the stack to provide income for families. Like Jennifer Maker, who's this big YouTuber, she ended up telling her audience about BC Stack a couple of years ago and walked away with $20,000 in affiliate commissions and then built the studio for her YouTube channel, which she just won an award. And I think she just launched a million dollar product. Like she made a million dollars in a day or something. Some crazy thing, you know? So for us, it's like this, we get to interact with all of these affiliates, all of these people who've built an audience who like to bring unbelievable products to the audience. And in return, they get paid, which, which is what money they use for their family. And then we get to interact with all these experts, uh, which, you know, leads us to new experts. And, you know, we get to be kind of be in the, in the niche, you know, we get to know all the people in the niche. Uh, And then we finally get to get to grow this audience of all kinds of people who want to be really good at digital marketing. And in kind of like Larry King, they come and say, who does this and who does that? And, uh, sometimes we help, sometimes we do it, but most of the time it gives us a chance to say, well, this guy over here, he's, that's the guy that's, that does that. So, uh, go learn from that guy, you know, and then, you know, come back next year and buy it again, please. But, you know, that's kind of the, the idea, but yeah, like you said, our, our entire world then is collaboration because I, I have, I mean, I don't, I don't do the bulk of the work. I, I do some of the work, but all the other people have to do their job or, or the whole thing doesn't work. And then when everybody does their job, it, everything works, which is great. Amazing. Amazing. And um, on, again, so many levels. And I love how you describe that you need the three components. You need an audience that wants to buy. You need to have contributors that want to contribute content. And you, want to ha- and you need affiliates who can promote the thing. And just so happens in our audience, we have all three of those. So we're going to make sure that we connect the dots to to you and and BC Stack, and I know you have some other programs that you're working on as well. Oh, yeah. Sure. Uh, all the links to that here as well. You want to tell them about that real quick, and then I want to we're going to turn the tables to the bit of a you know uh, we'll we'll kind of bring this in for a landing. But t- uh, tell them uh, what else you got going on. Well, let me. Can I add one more thing about Stack? Yeah, sure. I, I think this. If you're an affiliate, if you're a contributor. And you're trying to figure out how to turn what you're doing into a career, but not just not just a career that you tell people, but that you can rely on an income going forward. Because we have the hardest job. Like, there's no retirement. There's no social security. There's no there's no thing to fall back on. Like we we have to figure out how do we make money long enough so that we don't have to worry about going to get some other job. Well, one of the ancillary benefits of Stack that I have learned um, in the last couple of years is that we have a two-tier affiliate system, which is which is fine. Lots of people have two-tier, right? Which means if you refer, if you if you bring someone to the table and they buy the stack, but then they also become an affiliate, well, that becomes your second tier. So that person, if they make some money, you get 10%. And for me, I thought that was just like a, I felt like that was a cool frosting on the top thing to offer affiliates as a way to help them make a little bit more money. And that was my, in my head, like, that's like, this would be cool. It'd be frosting. They'll can make a little bit more money. Um, but it's more than that. And it's way cooler. So uh, do you know Ricky Shetty from Vancouver? I do. I know him very well. Yes. Okay. So Ricky is a connector. Um, and he is an unbelievable connector. Like that's his thing as people, like people is his thing. Mm. So for a while, um, 
one of the things that he would do was he would bring me affiliates just by, hey, I met this guy at a conference. He'd be great affiliate for BC Stack. So I would sign the guy up, you know, after talking in email. Um, and then uh, I would sign him up and I would put him manually, put him underneath Ricky. So it'd be Ricky's second tier affiliate. Um, well, over time, those second tiers, because it's a lifetime commission, Every June now, Ricky Shetty gets money from me because his affiliates, people that he brought to the table, are promoting it. And then he makes 10% of whatever they make. So when he is thinking about his year of income, 12 months, he's thinking, okay, in June, I'm going to make some months, some money from Dan from BC Stack. And in October, I'm going to make some from his other product, Podcaster's Kit. And if I can every single month find for myself a way to make a second tier passive income, then I have this underlining income of my business that just comes to me because of little things that I do, but I can sort of rely on it every month while I go out and do my normal thing, do workshops, write content, do YouTube videos, do all these other things that you normally do. And then hope, you know, some things get viral and some things make money and you have good launches. But underneath, you know, at some point, little money is coming in each month. And maybe that little money is enough at some point to pay the mortgage, to pay the rent. Like maybe that is the security blanket that some of us need in order to quit our jobs, in order to do this full time, right? Or uh, in order to actually risk. And instead of doing your website redesign yourself, you decide I'm going to hire someone to do it because I got a little money coming in. I can afford to take a little bit more risk. So in your business, when you're thinking about how do you make more money, think about some of those, uh, some of those, and, and I would say truly passive income. Most passive income things people talk about really aren't like membership. Like you got to work, you got to make PDFs. You got to, like, there's no passive income with memberships. You got to produce. Absolutely. But but a lifetime second tier commission, that has a passive side. Hmm. And if you can think and find them all year, then it's very possible you could pay your mortgage or your rent or your biggest bills by just an underlying passive income source that takes away fear, takes away stress, and lets you be more creative. Hmm. Amazing. And uh, I mean, lifetime commissions, there's not a lot of affiliate programs that that actually do lifetime commissions. And so the fact that you're doing that, uh, I think on, on two levels, one, very generous, two, it helps with the loyalty as well. I mean, there's a high degree of, of incentive for others to to oh, spread the sure. word about you and, and to let everyone else know that, look, there's this opportunity here. Yeah. Oh, definitely. In fact... One of the ways that we make money with the stack is I know marketers who have lifetime commission products. So while I try to keep 80% of all of the contributors in stack new every year, there are some that are in it every year because I need them to be in it because that ends up being my income source. Mm -hmm. So they produce a product for the stack. And then you, when you go get it, it's my affiliate link that you go get it. And then because they have lifetime commissions and you buy more stuff from those experts over time, I get checks over time from 2014, from our first BC stack, from our first time that that happened when, when I had a, a, there was a product in it where I was an affiliate for the product. And then I still get checks from 2014 from that one person who was in it once. And I decide, okay, every year I have to find some people that have a lifetime commission thing. They're, I'm going to put a product of theirs in the stack and that's going to cookie those people to me forever so that we have a uh, recurring income over time. Not just stack, but the back end of it actually makes us money. And such an amazing business model. I mean, really, I, I think that's, it's super inspiring. And, it, and I think if any, if nothing else, I mean, it's a great opportunity and we're going to make sure that we link to this. And so people know about this and we're going to help you spread the word about it as well. But 
uh, but just even just to think about, so anyone listening in, like, how do you think about your project differently so that, you know, uh, like you've created this win-win-win here between the people who buy the product and the people who contribute to the product and, and, uh, and, and then, um, you know, the, the affiliate commissions. And then I think there's this other level too, where it wasn't your original intent, but there's, this is how you get paid as well as the embedding in those other affiliate links, the lifetime commission links into the program. So yeah, super smart. I, I know we could spend all day unpacking this probably it sounds like another topic for an eight hour workshop where you could, uh, <laughs> well, yes, it does. we've been thinking about that. Well, let me know. And I would definitely love to get on board with uh, contributing or promoting or whatever. So please right. do let us know about that. So, you know, before we wrap up, Dan, um, you know, on the entrepreneurial journey is not an easy one for a lot of folks. And, you know, it, there's a lot of growth uh, that and leadership that has to come along the way. And none of us really accomplish as anything by ourselves. And this whole time we've been talking about how we do stuff with others. So two questions I have for you before we kind of wrap things up. One is if there is a, a leader or a mentor or someone who's been the most, you know, it's your go-to place for, you know, information or information or, you know, uh, just, you know, guidance on how to do um do more or be more or whatever, you know, who is that? And then what's one must read book that you recommend our audience uh, gets their hands on? Well, for me, the go-to guy, and this is going to sound weird, is Jeff Bezos. I know that's going to sound strange, but is there a better internet marketer on the planet than Jeff? Like, is your, is your list as big as Jeff's? I don't think so. Yeah. Are, you, are you bringing in the income that he's bringing in? I don't think so. What, for me, what is amazing is, is the constant, constant A-B testing they do on the page, like headlines here and pictures there and diff different things. But even more, he came up with the idea of letting other people sell products on Amazon. It's not just... They source their own products, but now Nike can sell shoes and you can sell your shoe right next to the Nike shoe. So he, his, I mean, millions of people now make their income from Amazon because he had this idea. So, and it's a little bit like, you know, Elon Musk is like idea factory. But for me, even, even stack everything that we do, I always think like, what would Jeff do? Like, how do you make this? a million times bigger. How do you, how do we, why are we so limited? Like, why is my brain so limited to the thinking that I have at the moment? Like, like I should be able to sell a million units is, is my head. And, and I think if Jeff Bezos was in the room, he would tell me, oh, well, you could, you just need to do these eight things. So I'm always constantly trying to listen to his interviews and read the stuff. Like what other insights does he have about how things work? Because what I don't need is to copy Jeff. What I do need is to be inspired the same way he does and then try to think that big. Like, we're not going to make any money for 11 years. I'm going to borrow millions and millions of dollars until that moment in time when we make millions of dollars. Like, how, how, do, you, how do you do that? Like, how do you have that mindset? Um, but I do have a guy in Italy, um, Craig, Craig Sunny that I call every once in a while because Craig's genius exceeds mine in different ways. Um, he does very odd things. Um, and and I, I'm always interested in his odd things. So like for one of them in this little town in Italy, he is the marketer for a festival, a festival, just like a Renaissance type festival. And he was telling me how every single piece of information that was put out was trackable. Like even the banners on the light poles, you know, in the town, he wanted to know like which light pole actually caught the people's attention and which message and which picture. And like, so every time I'm thinking through a project, I just call Craig. I'm like, dude, I'm going to tell you about what I'm doing because I mean, he thinks that I'm just telling him about what I'm doing, but what, what's really happening is Craig can't get out of his own head. And then he's like, Oh dude, you know what you should do? You should do this. 
and you should do this and you should do this and you should do this way, a different way, because then you could. And um, for me, that, uh, that is just fantastic. You need people who think totally different than you do. Um, if you don't have people who think totally different than you do, then I would suggest that you join uh, the plumbers union or you, you've joined some group on meetup that has mar- has a marketing in the masthead, but is something totally different out of market an advertising agency, out of market dental offices and just go like, listen in and like something is going to be so different. You're going to think, Oh, that would totally work for me. I never really thought about that before. Um, but then the other, the book, I guess going along the same concept is a book called unbuilding the world trade center. Uh, and it's written by William Langweish. And I actually read the first chapter in that magazine, Atlantic Monthly, which I've always thought was a brilliant idea, like put the chapter in the magazine and then all of a sudden people will buy the book. Well, that's exactly what happened. I read the first chapter and I bought the book. Um, And it was the detailed account of what happened after 9-11. How did they clean it up? Uh, And for me, it's an amazing book because... So many people had to be involved and so many rules had to be broken in order for that to happen. And then it was almost a book about it's easier to get forgiveness than permission kind of concept. You know, like in New York City, you have to uh, you have to put things out for bid, you know, but how do they have a three month process to put things out for bid to clean up the debris from 9-11. Like you can't wait three months to go through the process of, of bidding and you follow all these steps. So they they had to basically talk about it's not only unbuilding the World Trade Center, but it's like unbuilding everything that we've ever thought about how we do business lawfully in New York in order to get something done. Uh, and then how do we hire this guy without making that guy mad? Like uh, the whole thing and who's in charge. I, like, do you know the sidewalk department was actually in charge of, of cleaning up 9-11? It was the only group they could pin it on. Like nobody else was like, that's not our job. You know, it's like, it's not our job. But two guys from the sidewalk department basically stood up and said, we'll take it. Um, and so the whole book is leadership. And it's all about who did this and how did they get it done? And how, like, how did they dredge the river in order for boats to big enough to get up the river, to get the debris, to take it out of there. Like who was in charge of thinking through all of these little pieces and parts. Uh, And I just loved the leadership uh, part of it the entire time. I've read it a couple of times. And every time I buy a new copy, I end up giving it away against my will, but I feel like compelled. Like if somebody comes over, I just like, you should take this book, but inside I don't want to give it to them, but I still do. So anyway, that's my book. It sounds like there's a lot of great takeaways and, um, you know, the title almost doesn't do it justice in terms of, you know, the takeaways that you just uh, described because oh, yeah. in your mind, you might make up that, oh, okay, it's a book about 9-11, but it is and it isn't, right? It's it's a book about getting things done. It's a book about leadership. It's about think, you know, how do we do things differently when the existing rules won't work? What do we yeah. do? Yeah, there was, an e- there was an equalization pipe that went underneath the World Trade Center from the water on both sides, and the building collapsed on the pipe. So they knew they didn't know exactly how much debris to lift off before that would flood. Like even like every piece of information, like <laughs> somebody had to figure it out logistically. It was just crazy to me. Crazy. Amazing. Well, great recommendation. We're going to make sure we link to that book here. And I have not read it, and it is now on my must-read list. And so <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let you know when I get what I get out of it. Uh, Dan, I know we're going to be talking, uh, you know, again in the future, and there's definitely things that we can do together in the future. So, uh, first of all, I want to thank you so much for your time. And uh, if anyone was inspired by this episode and wants to find out more about you or what you're doing, where is the best place for them to reach out to you? Twitter.com slash Dan Armouris. I am a Twitter guy. I've been a Twitter guy since 2007 or something. Um, otherwise, um, we're at audienceindustries.com. Um, but, and, and on Facebook slash Dan Armouris, you know, Dan Armouris everywhere. But I would say Twitter is the, probably the best place. 
Awesome. Well, we're going to make sure that we link to all of your uh, applicable uh, profiles and website. And uh, just one final thank you, Dan. So amazing. And uh, I mean, there's so many takeaways. There isn't just one from this episode. There's so much to unpack. But if you were going to leave our audience with just one final word of wisdom for them to go out and be inspired and, and you know, take things on in their own businesses, what would you say to them? Uh, I would say there's no reason you can't. That would be it. There is no reason you can't make a million dollars. There is no reason you can't get that done. Everything can be done. There's just no that. that needs to be a poster on the wall somewhere, right? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's no reason. There's a new product for you. Um, so Dan, thank you so much. And to our audience, thank you so much for uh, listening in. And if you were inspired by anything Dan had to say today, please reach out to him and uh, learn more about BC Stack, learn more about Podcasters Kit and all of other, you know, Dan's amazing projects. I know I'm sure there's going to be others. And uh, Dan, I know that you and I will be uh, talking again real soon. So this is this has been amazing. And to everyone listening in, uh, keep moving forward, keep being inspired, keep removing those obstacles and make your big dreams a reality in your business. And until next time, we'll see you. This is Chuck Anderson with the Creative Collaboration Show with Dan Morris. Thank you so much. This episode is brought to you by the Collaborators Toolkit. If you're looking for better ways to grow and scale your business through collaborations and strategic partnerships, our free Collaborators Toolkit contains the best resources from our workshops, as well as contributions from our guests. These tools could be the missing link that you've been looking for to solve everyday business challenges and to access highly effective ideas that can grow your business exponentially. The best part is that these resources, tools, and templates are completely free and our gift to you for being a valued member of our community and a subscriber to our show. You can get free instant access to the Collaborators Toolkit today by visiting our website at www.collaboratorsunite.com forward slash toolkit. That address again is www.collaboratorsunite.com slash toolkit. Register today and I'll see you on the inside.